Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Today's reading is from Isaiah 53, so why don't you read along with me? Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and through the Lord make his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils among the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was outnumbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. My name is Vijay, privileged to be one of the pastors here on staff at Upper Room. And um, junior high kids, you already know, you're leaving. The rest of you are not allowed to walk out, okay? This is only for junior highs. The adults, stay seated. Um, We are in a couple weeks into a series uh, called Finally Free. And we're actually doing that with another church that is a sibling of ours, Connection, Rexdale. We were planted by a church 10 years ago. They were planted three years ago. And uh, one of the things that we thought was really cool was, um, you know, this journey of forgiveness is kind of a lifelong journey for every one of us. And probably even if you've never been here before and this is the first you're hearing about it, even as I say the word, you know, this is just a reality that every one of us has. And uh, we just thought it would be great for two communities of people to 
two churches to go through that together. Um, uh, Mark, who is the pastor there, planted that church when he was 24 years old, which means, do the math, he's 27 still. Uh, I know if I, I could have never planted a church at 24, I, I still couldn't have done it. Someone else did it here, and I just got to come in after the fact. But um, the privilege we have of just walking alongside them is they're a younger church and new to this stuff, and just to partner together, Mark and I kind of tag-teaming this series, and hopefully each of you getting a different perspective on the issue of forgiveness from not just my voice. And uh, so they're actually going through the same things in their home groups and wrestling with the questions that we are as well as a community. So I get really excited about that, not just because we get to help a church that's a little bit younger than us and they get to help us because we're older and out of touch with what they're more in touch with, but I get excited about um, a few hundred people going on a journey of forgiveness, of learning to actually be free. I was thinking about, uh, I don't know, I know none of you binge watch anything, but just say you were, some of you might be. Um, there might be a show or a movie that you're really into that there's some villain or some beast or something like that that is kind of coming against the protagonist and the hero, and they're trying to kill it, and it just doesn't seem to go away. Like when I was younger, it was Alien, right? The Sigourney Weaver, I'm dating myself, I know, but that it just wouldn't leave, and it was like every time you thought the hero was free from this thing, it would just like come back, and every time they kill it. I mean, maybe for some of you, it's the rolling stones. It's like, how long are you going to tour for? Like, just hang it up, okay? You know, just that just needs to die. Um, and so, but you know that feeling, right? And I was thinking, that's kind of what forgiveness feels like for many of us. It's something that keeps coming up, and maybe we're reminded of it every time an anniversary comes around, or every time there's a family gathering, or every time we hear that song, or every time we see that person, or maybe you're like, oh, my annoying pastor wants to do a six-week series on this, and all of a sudden, something that I thought was dead is now coming back up again. It's this monster thing. I thought I moved past it. I thought I killed that thing. I thought I dealt with that thing, and now all of these feelings are coming up again. It's a beast that just won't die. Now, maybe you've had that experience, or maybe I'm the only one. Some of it is because the advice that we get when it comes to things that we've done or dealt with that have hurt us, and, and by hurt, I mean it could be a million different things. For some of us, it may be just kind of death by a thousand cuts in one particular relationship in our lives, maybe a family member, maybe a boss, maybe a coworker, maybe a spouse, or maybe there was a season or a period or a weekend or a day or an event or a time in your life where there was a deep wound made, trauma, abuse, whatever it is, and you told yourself or somebody told you, hey, just move on. You know, you got some Taylor Swift advice, just shake it off. Haters gonna hate, you know, just keep moving. <laughs> or maybe if you grew up in the church, you know, this idea, well, you should forgive. And maybe you told yourself that or maybe somebody said that to you. Well, you need to just, you can't hold that grudge. You can't, you gotta move on. And you've tried to forgive, but you can't forget. Or you thought you were past it and now all of this just keeps coming up, whatever the reminders are. And you think, I thought I, I thought I dealt with that. I thought I put a knife in that. I thought I just moved on, but clearly I can't. And so the feelings get stirred up or the memories or the, the turmoil inside. And I think as that happens for every one of us in various ways, because we have all experienced hurts of one kind or another, either by the choices somebody made or just things they didn't mean to do, but just happened, circumstances, relationships, we just got kind of sucked into and, and a little bit marked up by. And so every one of us has these matters to deal with, and yet when we find, well, I can't seem to move past it, I've tried to forget, I've tried to forgive, it just doesn't seem to take. Every time I think this thing is dead, it comes back up. 
What do I do? It, it leaves us kind of moving maybe back and forth between two extremes, either beating ourselves up about it or, or beating the other person up about it. We, we beat ourselves up about it because <clears throat> we feel, um, you know, like guilty that, that we have these feelings. You know, I thought I moved past it. Why does it bother me when I see that person? Or, or somebody else mentions their name and how much they really like them, and you're like, something inside you is bothering you. And so you kind of feel guilty, especially if you're a Christian and you, you think, well, I'm supposed to forgive. Why do I feel like this? And so, so I beat myself up about it that I can't seem to be able to let go. Or I move to the other extreme and I'm beating them up about it. I'm having that imaginary conversation for the 10th time. Like if I could ever sit down in front of them, you ever had those imaginary conversations? Okay, it's just me, right? We Things that we would say, that we rehearse, or we are maybe even actively kind of maligning them. Like we won't let anyone else say a good thing about them. We always have something to add because we just haven't moved on. And so we're either beating ourselves up about it or we're beating them up about it either publicly or just even in our hearts. And so we don't know what to do. We're kind of, in a sense, the walking wounded, all of us. And, and in my observations, in my own life, in the lives of people that I've gotten to know, kind of the way we deal with that is we just sort of slap some Band-Aids on it and sort of try to cover the wound. We're not, it's not actually healed, so we just try to cover it up. And depending on your personality or your uh, life stage or your life experience, we do that in various ways. Some of us cover it up just with anger. And maybe, maybe actually you, you have unexplained anger in your life. You don't know why you're angry so much. And, it, and maybe you don't think, though, but other people are like, why, dude, why are you angry all the time? There's this kind of anger in you, and it, and it comes out in weird ways, and it comes out often sometimes not even towards the person you have the issue with, but it just comes out to the other people in your life because maybe you can't take it out on the one you're really angry with, maybe because they've passed on or you don't even know who they are or you just know you just couldn't do that. There's a power dynamic or whatever it is, and so you just have anger underneath the surface, and you've, you, that's what comes out when you're bumped. Some of us have taps that we've just turned off, so we just don't feel anything. We don't cry, which we're kind of proud of, but we don't laugh that much if we're honest either, like the deep laughter that makes you cry. We don't have a lot, and sometimes people are honest and say, don't you feel anything? How come you don't notice this? Why don't you respond to this? Why aren't you listening to me? Because there's something that just turned off inside, because if we were really to turn them on, all of this stuff would come out, and we know, so we've just kind of patched it up with apathy or with kind of numbness. We have anger, we have numbness, and then others of us are just seeking the next fun thing, Whatever I can think of next, the next vacation, the next sweater, the next great album, the next concert, the next hangout with a friend, the next drink, whatever it is, because I just don't want to stop long enough to think about what's going under the surface. And so we are slapped together in a sense with all these loosely tied bandages and band-aids, and yet underneath, wounds are not healed, whether it's anger, apathy, or fun. And I don't know about you, but maybe if those are some of the symptoms in your life, maybe you've never thought about it, but maybe there's actually wounds, there's unforgiveness that I just haven't really dealt with. Sometimes we're really acutely aware of things. Other times we're like, I don't even think I have an issue of unforgiveness yet. Maybe those things are actually patching that up. And so we're the walking wounded, walking around, and then we, when we get bumped or something happens or we see that person again or that anniversary comes up again, all of a sudden we start to bleed again. We're like, okay, I, this has not been dealt with. So what do we do about it? Again, the advice that we get, or maybe we tell ourselves, well, just move on, just forgive and forget, just let go, just shake it off. Hey, it happens to everyone, you know, join the club. We've all got marks on us, too bad, just move on. 
And yet if we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to move back and forth between beating ourselves up, beating other people up, being angry, being apathetic, being numb, being just kind of unaware of the stuff that's going on underneath us. One of the great encouragements to me as a human being in this kind of predicament in this life, you know, and, and Mark was saying last week how, you know, this is, as human beings, we are, we are inexplicably drawn to relationships and repelled by them at the same time. We, we are inescapably drawn. To, we can't help ourselves. We just keep going to them. We just keep looking for love, and we just keep getting hurt by it in whatever way, and yet so we all find ourselves in this place. I take great encouragement from this book, the scriptures, in a sense, and maybe you've thought this before about the scriptures or about holy books or whatever, that this book, well, it, just, it has prescriptions for living. In fact, there's a lot of wisdom in here, but it's a story that is a story of forgiveness. <laughs> the whole book of, the whole, the whole Bible is a story of forgiveness. It is a story of we, the walking wounded, loved by God, God coming into our world to actually heal us and bring us home. And so there's much wisdom in this for us. And the one great thing is the scriptures never say, just forgive, just move on, just deal. There's no just. The entire story is about forgiveness. It understands for us that this is a long journey. And that's why we're actually taking six weeks, and I know even six weeks is not even close to enough to deal with, but our hope and our prayer is, is that if we begin to walk through this, we will actually grow in our understanding, okay, what do I do? How do I actually be free to receive forgiveness, and also freely given. You know, if you were to understand, or even if you've had a little bit of understanding of Christianity, or if you grew up with it, and I said to you, well, what does the cross mean? There's a cross in probably every church in the world. Everywhere that there is a church, there's a cross somewhere at the front, at the back, on the bulletin, on the back of the songs, or whatever. And if we did word association, I said, cross, you'd probably say, you might say church, you might say Jesus, but then you might say forgiveness too, right? But the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't just tell us that there is forgiveness. It actually tells us how to forgive. And that's what you and I want to know, right? Because we know we should, but we don't often know how. How do you actually do that? And that's the frustrating thing is I thought I did that, but it just keeps coming up. So how do I actually forgive? Well, the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't just tell us that there is forgiveness, that there is forgiveness for us, that we should forgive others, but actually how to do it. In the passage that Tim read for us and that we read together, it's a passage from one of the prophets, the book of Isaiah. It was written 700 something years before Jesus came. Mind-blowing, right? Because most of you are reading that going, yeah, this is about Jesus. He wrote it 700 years before he came. And the prophets were given voices, they were the voice of God to God's people. And, and very often they would be kind of correcting God's people, saying, hey, you're going the wrong way, turn around. Other times they would be inspiring them and giving them hope and saying, God has come, he's gonna send someone, he's gonna be a king, he's gonna be a leader, he's gonna be a savior, he's gonna be a redeemer. But this passage, probably maybe the most famous about Jesus, and one of the longest sections, is actually not one that is inspiring, but it tells us exactly who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we are meant to forgive. One of the lines in the passage we read, it says that he was a man of suffering familiar with pain. I want you to just read just a couple of the lines. Like, let me just read them for you. 
And just, just maybe um, you can read them, but close your eyes. I want you to just picture this. It doesn't weird you out. No one's going to steal anything from you, okay? Just close your eyes for a second. And listen. He was despised and rejected. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted like a lamb to the slaughter by oppression and judgment. He was taken away. Several years ago, I was talking to friend of mine, somebody you know well, Pastor Rose Lormer. She was on staff here, our family ministry pastor. And we were talking about this issue of forgiveness and why it seems so difficult. Like, you know, we all, I suppose, in one level want to do it. We know we should. How come we can't do it? And she said to me, VJ, like, doesn't the cross of Jesus Christ tell us about forgiveness? And I said, yeah. She said, but what does it actually tell us? What is forgiveness? If we look at the cross, what does it say forgiveness is? And here's what she said, and this line changed, it changed my life. It changed how I saw this whole thing. She said this, forgiveness is being willing to bear the marks of someone else's sin. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ says. Forgiveness is being willing to bear the marks of someone else's sin. I want to spend a little while just unpacking that because I believe, friends, that this is the beginning point of the journey for us, the daily journey, the lifelong journey of learning how to be free. It says that Jesus, it says, surely he bore, surely he took up our pain. See, often we think about the suffering or the forgiveness of Jesus as the crucifixion itself. You know, the, the six hours on the cross. And maybe, maybe the trial beforehand and the thorns, or the crown of thorns that were put into his head and maybe that, that he was beaten as well. And all of that certainly was his suffering. But it says that he was a man of sorrows familiar with pain. It actually describes his whole life, in a sense, as a journey of forgiveness. If you read the Gospels, there are four biographies of Jesus that we have in the Gospels. He lived for 33 years. They spend an inordinate amount of time on his suffering. And not just what we would call the passion of the Christ, the last week of his life, Passion Week, and that, that we celebrate at Easter weekend. But that he was someone who was constantly talking about his death. In a sense, he was constantly making the journey. You'll see geographically he was making the journey to Jerusalem. It was a picture of the fact that he was always moving towards this forgiveness that he was going to give us on the cross, which means the grief that he was bearing, he was regularly aware of. He knew what was to come. And so in the moment when his closest friend Peter says, Lord, even if everybody abandons you, I'll never leave you. Did that sting? Even if everybody abandons you, which they did, I'll never leave you, which he did. Jesus wasn't on the cross yet. Nobody had made a mark on his body yet. Did that make a mark on his heart? Professions of loyalty, I'll never leave you. Faithfulness, abandonment in his greatest hour of need. 
It was a mark not on his physical body, but on his heart. His closest friends. He was bearing the pain of the forgiveness he was going to have to give. At one point, he's talking to his disciples and he says, you know, I'm gonna die. And Peter, you know, says the stuff that we would all, we would all wanna say, right? That'll never happen, Lord. We will defend you. Like, that can't be, because they wanted him to be king. They did not want him to suffer. The plan was for him to be exalted, to become their political leader, their religious leader, to throw off all the chains, and for him to rise to power. And he knew that's not why, why he came. And so he says to Peter in this moment, get behind me, Satan. And don't use that verse with your friends a lot, okay? You have to use it sparingly. Jesus did with Peter in that moment. What was he saying? Peter was tempting, and there's another way than pain. There's another way than having to suffer the marks on your body that Isaiah 53 describes. And Jesus says, no, I will not take that path. I am consciously choosing this road. I am willing to bear the marks on my body, on my heart, on my mind of someone else's sin. And we know it was not just a physical anguish because we know even in the garden of Gethsemane, he was clawing the ground, begging the father for some other way because he knew the anguish of his soul. On the cross, he said, God, why have you forsaken me? That was an emotional heart cry, not just the physical pain. Jesus, at every step that he took towards the cross, consciously said, I will take this upon me. I will be willing to suffer. You know, we spend, many of you either grew up in traditions or we do, we do this here at our church, we have a season of Lent, which is 40 days to what? To contemplate the suffering of Christ. And some of you grew up in traditions where you were supposed to give something up because that would sort of help you identify with the pain. But we all actually can identify with the pain of suffering because we all know what it is to be wounded and to be hurt and have to deal with the marks on our lives of someone else's sin. We can identify with Jesus. And yet it was not a journey that he took angrily, resenting the fact that other people were going to do this to him, resenting the, resenting the fact that the people, think about this, there were people he raised from the dead who couldn't come to his defense when he was being accused of being a false savior. He was being accused of, of being evil and being false. Maybe one of the hundreds and hundreds of people that he healed could have showed him and said, no, actually, he, he really did heal me. He was actually trying to do good. Nobody was there. Was he angry at them? Was he resentful? Was he spitting in the face of his accuser saying, I'll show you one day? Not a word. It says he was silent before his accusers. Why was he silent? Because he was choosing to bear. In fact, all the times through his journey in ministry, people kept telling Jesus, hey, show your power. Let them know who you are. They'll, it'll make you great. And he refused. And the only time he opened his mouth to admit that he said he was God was the one time he knew it would condemn him. He had no interest in elevating himself. Why? He was just this humble doormat? No, he was choosing to bear the marks on his body and his life of your sin and my sin and the sin of the world. This was the path of forgiveness that Jesus chose. He was not angry towards others. He was not apathetic, emotionally turned off, just trying to bear it up. Neither was he just kind of moving from one thing to another, trying to avoid the idea of it. But he deliberately chose to bear the marks of someone else's sin on his life, and in so doing, to forgive us. This is actually the path of forgiveness. 
which means this. Taking up our cross is saying yes to the cost. Jesus said, those of you that are followers, that those of you that are in this room that would say, I'm a Christian, it means you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross, she must take up her cross and do it. And so if you and I are actually going to follow in the path of forgiveness, see, well, I, how do we actually do this? It, this? it begins with saying yes to the cost. Forgiveness is actually a move past or move beyond being angry with those who have done something to us, resentful maybe even at God for allowing it to happen, or just turned off emotionally because we cannot connect with it, or just moving from one thing to the next so we don't have to think about it. Forgiveness is saying no, consciously saying, okay, this happened to me. If I'm gonna forgive, I actually have to say yes to this. Now let me just pause for a moment. This does not mean acknowledging that what people have done to you was good or that God wanted them to do that or that should have happened. If you're in an abusive relationship, Forgiveness is not staying in that relationship so that person can continue to abuse you. You need to step back from that and actually stop and create a distance enough. It says Jesus was put to death by evil men. So it called the crucifixion, in a sense, evil, and yet Christ chose to bear those things on him in order to forgive. This is why you can understand now forgiveness is no quick thing. We cannot quickly say, oh yeah, I forgive. The suffering of Jesus was not this quick, just the last few hours things took a wrong turn and he had to bear up underneath them for six hours. It was a lifelong journey of saying yes to the marks on his body and the sins of other people. And if we are actually going to be free, we actually have to begin to go down that road and say, okay, what does it mean to accept the fact that this has happened to me? What does it mean to move away from anger towards those who have done that? Resentment towards them for choosing that. Resentment towards God for allowing that. What does it mean to move, actually begin to feel the cost of what happened? Mark said last week that there's a difference between trust and forgiveness. And I think that's really important to notice. Because some of us think, well, if, if I'm in an ongoing relationship with a family member or a parent or a child or a spouse, and, and am, am I supposed to just keep on going back, keeping on trusting them? You need to think about it this way. If you had a friend, say, who was always borrowing money from you and never paying it back, and, and, they kept, and the amounts kept, kept getting larger and larger, and you just kept feeling like, well, I can't say no, so I'll lend them more money. And, and now you, they've racked up kind of a, quite a big debt to you. Forgiveness, forgiving that person is different than trusting them again. Forgiveness may be saying, you know what, I'll, I'll wipe out that debt. You don't, they don't need to owe me, and I won't be angry with them. But that doesn't mean you lend them another $100 the next time they come asking around. That's trust. But, because trust is kind of, and money's a good analogy, trust is kind of like a bank account. When someone has done something to us, maybe they've done many, many things, it kind of draws down that bank account, right? They're taking out trust of the bank account. Or maybe one action emptied the whole thing. And so it's at zero. Well, can you trust them in that moment? Well, the bank account's at zero. So they actually need to not pay back for what they've done, but by their actions need to actually restore that bank account. Some, some people say, well, how can I trust this person again? I often say, look, you'll know. 
you'll be able to, it'll just happen because if they repeatedly begin to restore and, and make deposit after deposit after deposit, not once, not twice, but repeatedly, your heart will just open to them again. But if you have not forgiven them, you'll never let them pay back into the trust account. See, you'll never see any act that they do as a positive act towards you. You'll discount every single deposit they try to make. Why? Because your heart hasn't forgiven them. And so that's how you know. If, if they're trying, if someone's saying to you, I'm trying, I don't know what else to do, maybe that means that you have actually not forgiven them in your heart and you won't let them restore trust in the relationship. You get that? The reason we forgive, where we say, okay, I will just, I will accept the fact that that has happened to me. Mark talked about a debt, right, as debt collectors. I will not try to exact payment from them anymore. I will follow the path of Jesus and say, okay, I will accept the fact that that has happened to me. So now, in my heart, I am free towards you, which actually means I would actually like the relationship to be restored. I don't want ill for that person. I don't want them to keep paying. But I can't control whether it is restored because forgiveness we are in charge of. Trust is an outcome that happens between two people in a relationship. Forgiveness is our deal, no matter what they've done. To be free, to release them. And then over time, perhaps the relationship may be restored as trust begins to be rebuilt. But if you will not, if you have not forgiven, you'll never want that relationship to be restored. You'll never want that person to be able to invest in a trust in your relationship. And so this forgiveness is so critical for us to actually be able to do so that we are free no matter what happens in the relationship. So that we are free, whether the person ever comes back to us with a heartfelt sorry that we think we deserve. You know what I was thinking about this? No sorry will ever be enough for us because we lost something when we were hurt. And in most things, even words that people say to you, can they be taken back? No, they can't be unsaid. You cannot go back in time. And so nobody could ever pay you back it has to be a process of being willing to accept those words, accept that situation, and begin to heal. But if that's the case, and you're saying to me, Vijay, really? Really? It's just going to take time, isn't it? And you have to know what you actually are saying yes to. So forgiveness is not this, no problem, no problem, wipe it clean. And oftentimes that's what we do because we don't want to ruffle feathers and we don't want to actually say, well, no, that hurt me. We don't want, so we just quickly move on and we try to cover it up and we realize actually we're the walking wounded, hasn't gone away. There is no quick path to forgiveness. If you are actually going to say yes to what someone else has done, not saying that it was good or right or that you deserved it, but if you were actually going, because Jesus was put to death, it says, by evil men. Peter, in his speech on the first day of the church, was very clear about that. Evil men crucified him, but Jesus said yes to the cost. He chose, I will accept this in order to forgive. So this isn't about justifying what was done to you or saying that you deserved it or it should have happened. But at the point that you and I have been marked up in our hearts, some, some of you even on your bodies from what has happened, the point of forgiveness begins at the journey of saying, okay, I will actually say yes to this, which means you actually have to know what you've lost. See, our forgiveness is very shallow because what we do, we're just angry with the person for what they did. They did that, they did this, they did that. That's often what we think about. They said this, they said that. But what we don't do is, well, what did it cost me? What did I lose when that person said that? What did I feel when those things were done to me? 
What did I live with because that was never given to me? Where, how did the trajectory of my life change because of that event? We don't ask those questions very often, but that's actually beginning to count the cost and count the loss and have a conscious understanding, how did this actually affect me? How did this actually hurt me? Now you might say, well, if I go down that road, it's gonna get really ugly. If I actually start to think about what has it cost me in my heart? What did I feel? How did life change for me? What did I lose out on? Aren't, aren't, aren't I going to get more angry at the person who did this to me? Might I even get angry at God for allowing this to happen? Uh, for two reasons, I would say to you, I don't think that's true. Here's why. The first one is what Jesus did for us on the cross. It was a conscious suffering. Jesus didn't numb himself to the pain, try to quickly get past it. It said he was a man of sorrows, familiar with pain, familiar with grief. He understood what it was costing him. This is actually how Jesus suffered to say yes. But secondly, because I've actually seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my own life and I've seen it happen in the lives of other people. Several years ago when I, when I <clears throat> first became a pastor, someone came to me and said, I, I'd like to meet with you. I need to talk with you about some stuff. So I sat down with her and she said, you know, I'm, uh, I got problems with my relationship with God. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. And I have problems with my family. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. And, and I asked her if I could share this story with you. She said, gladly. So she said, I said, okay. So we talked for a couple times. And I said, I think you should see a counselor. We have a couple counselors that we are, are connected with. We partner with the church. And um, if, you need, if you need help, we have money that's actually available. If you think, oh, I can't afford a counselor, don't let that stop you. But in this case, she said, no, I'm not going to a counselor. You're going to help me. And I said, I don't know. I can't. I don't know how to do this. Never done this before. I went to business school, okay? I have no idea how to, how to do this. She said, no, I'm not going to counselor. So we met again. I said, I really think, no, I'm not. You're going to walk me through this. I'm like, okay. So I said, okay, look, this is the only thing I know. I know this sentence. I know that forgiveness is being willing to bear the marks of someone else's sin. So let's start down that road. So we sat down, and as we begin to talk, like every week, we'd come, and there would be a piece of paper, and she would say something, a memory, something happened, some, something that someone did, something that someone said, something that someone didn't say, should have done. And every time, she would just write it down. What happened? What did I lose? And I would ask her question, so what? what? What did that make you feel? What did you lose out on? How did that change your life? How did that change your relationship? How did that change your relationship with other people? How did that change the way you saw yourself? She wrote them down, one after another, one after another, one after another. We kind of had a pile. And so one day I said to her, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I said, why don't you just close your eyes? And I said, can you, can you see the hill on the, and the three crosses on the hill where Jesus died? She said, yeah. I said, okay, so we're gonna take all of this stuff that you've written down and we're gonna put it in a box and imagine it's like a treasure chest or some wooden box with the lid. I said, just close your eyes, just put it, put it in there, shut the lid and now pick it up and I want you to walk slowly to the cross. Just walk. And she began to kind of just, just walk there and I said, can you see can you see the feet of Jesus? Can you, can you see them marked up, bloodied, with, with a spike through them? Can you see in there? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, so just, let's just put that down at the foot of the cross. Because he, he knows <laughs> what it is to be marked up. He knows what it is to say yes to the sins of other people. He who was perfectly innocent knows what it was to take on himself the pain of what others had done. And so I want you to just leave it there. And part of her didn't want to leave it there. She put it down. 
And I said, okay, walk back. And then the next week we did it again. And, and we discovered that this is actually gonna be a well-worn path between her pain and the foot of the cross. That this was gonna be a lifelong journey of saying, okay, I gotta say yes to this, I'm gonna take it to the one who can understand, who was marked up for me, who was marked up by the sins of other people, who did not deserve to have this happen to him. And it became a path for her. Then weeks passed, months passed, we kept meeting. Then one meeting she kept canceling, kept canceling, kept canceling, kept canceling. And I called her, I said, what's going on? She's like, I think I'm free. No, I just cried on the phone that day. I, I couldn't have seen it coming. She couldn't have seen it coming. And this is the truth about your journey of forgiveness and mine. Nobody can tell you when it's gonna happen. Sometimes we look for this feeling, we think, well, I, I, said, I, I said I've forgiven, nothing's happened. It is a journey, friends. It is a lifelong and actually a well-worn path for every one of us between our pain and the foot of the cross. However you need to get there, whether it helps you to close your eyes and think about it, or whether every time you sing, you say, I'm taking this box, I'm writing on the stuff, I'm bringing it to Jesus, I'm laying it at his feet, and I gotta go back there again and again and again. Because every time I go, it's me saying, okay, yes. I'll say yes to that. I'll accept. I'll accept that. Because that's actually the path to freedom. There may be another one, I just don't know it. Whether it's the little things every day, the thousand cuts, or the deep wounds. And so here's what I want to say to you in that. This is your thing as your path of forgiveness. What did it cost? I got to take it to the cross. What did it cost me? And that as the man of sorrows walks with us, that this will actually not make us more bitter. It will actually teach us how to take our pain and our suffering and our wounds to the one who suffered and was wounded for our transgressions, for our sins. And I can't tell you when or how it'll actually all break. But the goal is that you and I would be free. And the one thing I know will happen is the more we make this journey, the more we will realize when I say I'm forgiven, I won't ever say it quickly again. Because I know what it costs to forgive. You get that? And that's why this will actually for you, because the deeper you go in how it, what it actually means to forgive, the deeper your understanding will be on how much you have been forgiven. And the more you are forgiven, right? Mark said last week, forgiven people, forgive people. The more we understand the forgiveness of Jesus for us, the more grace will actually flow from us. And so for some of you, if it's a deep wound, if it's a big one, here's what I'd suggest to you. You may need to just start that process of writing stuff down. What happened and what did it cost me? What did it cost me physically, emotionally, relationally? What, what actually happened when that happened? I gotta move past the surface of the anger and the resentment and say, well, okay, what actually happened? And you begin to write those things down. And then I gotta take them to the cross. And I would say, if you're gonna go on that journey, don't do it alone. Find another Christian, somebody you know that can journey with you, someone in this church, maybe someone in your home group, home group leader, if you're not in a home group, somebody else, maybe you come to me and say, VJ, I need to do this. Who do I do this with? 
And I might suggest somebody else in the church and say, hey, you don't know this person from Adam, but maybe you guys can take this journey together. And for others of us to say, well, it's just all these little niggly things. I don't know what it is, but I have bitterness and resentment. I have anger. I have frustration. There needs to be this daily habit in our lives of bringing that pain to, the, to Jesus and saying, oh, this shouldn't have happened, but I'll accept it. I will be free. I will continue to have a well-worn path between my pain and the foot of the cross. Now, why would you do that? Because that's going to be painful. It'll be a deeper journey than you've gone before. It'll take longer than you thought, and it'll hurt more than it has in the past. So why on earth would you do that? In verse 11 of Isaiah 53, it says this. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He was talking about Jesus, right? After he suffered, he would see the light of life and be satisfied. What, what was he talking about? He was talking about the resurrection, right? After the suffering of Jesus, he saw the light of day. After he died, he was raised to life. And if you know the story, even if you don't, when Jesus was resurrected to life and he came and showed his body to his disciples, what was still on his hands? The marks. They were scars but they didn't bleed anymore. Get that? There was no more pain. They weren't, the cross wasn't forgotten when Jesus rose from the dead, but it hurt no more. It was now just a sweet memory of healing. See, and this is the thing, often we think, well, how can I forget this? Well, you can't forget the past. But in a sense, the scars on Jesus' body show the scars, the memories are still there, but now they are a sweet memory of healing. I know this is hard for some of you to imagine, and yet others of you can say, yes, I can attest to this. There will be a day when you will look back on what happened, on the pain that now presently seems to dominate your life, and one day, if you follow this path, you will be able to say, I can laugh at those days. These are just a memory of healing. They don't bleed anymore. I'm not walking around wounded, sores, bumped, and bleeding every time I'm bumped the wrong way. Yes, I have the memory of them, but they don't bleed anymore. I'm alive. I'm free. Friends, that is the promise. That is the reason why it's so much better to leave being the walking wounded and become healed, to actually begin this journey. And so whatever path you think you need to take to do it, just don't do it alone. Do it with somebody else. It might be fast for some of you. For others, it may take months and years. But the hope is that every one of us can say on a daily basis and even on that one day, I'm free, right? Uh, my benediction for you, Serena, can we just throw up that, that last line from um, Because of Your Love, where it says, you did it for me. I think it's the bridge. Uh, this is, those four statements are my benediction for you. That you would know, first of all, that he has done that for you. That he has taken your sins upon himself and therefore you are clean, you are free, you are healed, you are forgiven. Um, you did it for love. I just want to bless you with love <laughs> flooding into those relationships and spaces where there has been hurt and loss and pain. It's your victory. I want you to have the hope. I want to bless you with the hope that Jesus can be victorious over this thing that you feel maybe or have felt is hopeless. Amen. And that lastly, he is enough 
Sometimes forgiveness seems like this mountain we can never summit, this rock we can never move to say, Jesus, what you have done and who you are is enough for this too. Would you receive that? Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming.